Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, a few weeks back, I broke it to you live on the podcast that I was exploring options to, to trade you to sever this podcast, put an end to it. It's been a couple weeks. I've been looking for the right trade partner. Hadn't found it yet. Um, but it, it's unfortunately, I'm going to have to break it to you live on the show that uh, indeed my, my front office and I have found the right partner to trade you for. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you like to share with me and the listeners in, in real time who that is? I think you'll understand. I mean, he's a he's a baseball legend. It's it's Babe Ruth. We're going to trade uh, you for Babe Ruth. Mm. See, now the Phillies, they would not trade Zach Wheeler for Babe Ruth, but I, however, would trade you <laughs> for Babe Ruth. We could, me and Babe, we could host this pod. You think that you're going to get a lot of conversation out of Babe Ruth right now? It's unclear to me what John Middleton meant when he said this. Like, would I, would he not trade him for prime Babe Ruth? Would he not try to trade him for late career Babe Ruth? Would he not trade him for current day, dead, buried, decomposed Babe Ruth? I don't know. It's unclear. He didn't specify. Specificity think- is important in media. It is important. I mean, you may have a better chance getting Ted Williams to come on the podcast because at least he's like cryogenically frozen, yes. you know? Yeah. And it's so going to maybe... be me, Ted Williams, and Walt Disney just grinding <laughs> the baseball offseason. <laughs> you can do Solo. a little like, like ventriloquist, you know, like put your hand in like his head and like move his mouth a little bit. I don't think that Babe Ruth has good takes. Like I, I, if you like brought him back to life, I don't think he would have good takes about 2020 baseball. That's just one man's opinion. I don't think he would have good takes about anything. The dude was born early 20th century, right? Like late 19th century? Like he was racist, probably. Did Although, no, some, some Yankees fans think that Babe Ruth was secretly Dominican, but he couldn't say it. That's, a, that's an opinion out there. A very Made famous by um, Miro, Kid Miro. <laughs> uh, Do you think Babe Ruth has takes about how we are handling the pandemic since he lived through the the Spanish flu of 1918. <laughs> it's like we did it better back then, 100 years ago. Yeah, I mean, he may have some uh some advice for us certainly, although that advice might kind of be boiled down to drink lots of beer and eat lots of hot dogs and have lots of uh sex with beautiful women and you'll be fine like me. I wonder if Babe Ruth, you know, whatever plane, ethereal plane that he exists on now, if you believe in that sort of thing. Laments the fact that everybody always jokes about the fact that he drank a bunch of beer and ate a bunch of hot dogs. It's like, that's a really simplifying way of talking about maybe one of the greatest baseball players of all time. It absolutely is. Um, yeah, we, I feel like we, we talk about his off-field exploits still, like 100 years later, more than we do the fact that he was able to hit a lot of good home runs and stuff. But... Players do that these days. Anyway, that shit's boring. We hitting you know, home runs we, is boring. Hitting That's home what runs you're is, saying? That is that is the take. Yes, absolutely. You wow. know, we ask for baseball players to have off-field personality. Babe Ruth had it. Yeah, in spades. Okay, well, if you couldn't tell by uh, 
the filibustering already going on in this podcast. Alex and I don't have a, a home run segment or a guest this week, but what we do have, because we're deep, deep, deep in the recesses of the baseball offseason, is we have seven, I think seven or maybe eight, half segments that couldn't fill up the whole pod. So we're going to do that. We're going to put them on a random spinner wheel and we're going to blow through them in this podcast. All of that is coming up. Before we get there, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Basley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Okay, Alex, two things before we get into the pod really quickly wanted to mention. Number one, uh, Koshen, Japan's Field of Dreams, the wonderful documentary um, by Emma Yamazaki, who was a guest on the show and talked about that documentary and um, the entire culture of Koshen and baseball in Japan um, at the youth level. I, I believe it's available for streaming um, on ESPN and elsewhere. There was some like virtual cinema tickets that you could buy, but I think that those have come and gone. But I think now if you have access to ESPN uh, Plus or you have like an ESPN cable subscription, I believe that you can watch it on ESPN.com. So if you saw that episode and you were like, I didn't get a chance to watch it at the time, I'd love to listen to this or I listened to it and I enjoyed Emma. Go watch that. That's number one. Number two. I I told people that if they sent us screenshots of their Spotify wrapped and we were their number one podcast that I would shout them out on the show and then I uh, I forgot to do that. (laughs) So if you're listening still and you haven't given up on us for um, forgetting to shout you out like we promised, um, thank you for sticking around. I'm going to do that right now. We have our friends Nicholas, Andrew, Luna, Max, JV, Patrick, and Coco. All reaching out to let us know that we were their number one on Spotify rap this year. If you don't listen on Spotify, that that's fine too. I, we appreciate you as well. But you know, then you don't get the the stats at the end of the year. Um, those are my housekeeping things. Do you want to? Do you have a special message for those people, Alex? Um, only that I think this officially means we have a stand army now. Wow. Um, so any any slander that exists about tipping pitches on the internet. You, you got these guys coming after you. Yeah, mobilize. They're hot on your tail. What's the and, hashtag? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. TP. No, I can't. I don't even know. TP Army? I feel like that might get misconstrued. The hashtag is unionize the miners. People, people hashtag that when they would buy our shirts. Before we get into our rapid fire convo, um, Timothy Chalamet had a little, uh, a little, little Mets shout out. On, on, SNL SNL? Last, on SNL last night. Did he? Um, said that he had his first New Year's Eve kiss with Mr. Met's daughter, Stacy Met. Sweet girl, sweet girl, big head, is what he said. I don't... Hmm. That's kind of a... Mm, ooh. Two, two out of ten, maybe? That, that's generous. That, that might be a little bit generous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, if you've got Met's takes, if you've got Stephen Cohen takes... You don't have an open invite to come on this podcast. I'm sorry. I think that we should let him come on. Uh, this just goes to show that the Mets are more culturally relevant than the Yankees, just like I've been saying. Facts. Action Bronson and Timothy Chalamet in the Mets corner. Yes, exactly. And not to mention, I don't know, if the Mets were trying to re-sign DJ LeMahieu, I think they would have got it done by now. Just saying. Sure. Sure. Why? Why not? Based yeah. on absolutely no facts. <laughs> okay. Should we get to the random spinner? Let's do yes. it. We got. We have eight topics. 
um, loaded into a random Price is Right style spinner wheel. I have done this bit on other podcasts. Alex, we're stealing it, but we're not really stealing it because I came up with the idea on the other shows. So uh, we're just reprising it. How about that? Are you ready? Let's get it. Do you think we should let the listeners know what the topics are or should it be a surprise? Uh, I think we let it be a surprise. Okay, let's do it. I, it's a surprise for us too, you know? The wheel is spinning. The wheel is spinning. The first topic, minor league baseball realignment. Starting Ooh, with the downer. Starting with the, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this past week, you know, it, it's been long talked about, discussed, rumored, reported. Um, theorized that many base many MLB teams would be cutting ties with a lot of minor league teams. We saw the early days of this. You and I talked about this a few weeks ago with the Yankees and the Mets. Yankees cutting the Staten Island Yankees, blindsiding them. Staten Island Yankees currently suing the New York Yankees. Sick. That's wild. Sick move. The Mets cutting ties with the Columbia Fireflies and actually also the Yankees cutting ties with the Trent Thunder, um, which I'm in an impassioned defense of because that was my Childhood minor league baseball team. Uh, so, like I said, we saw the early news about that. This past week, MLB teams, the verbiage of this is kind of weird, but they extended invites to the franchises that they wanted to be affiliated with them this year. So, um, low A, high A, double A, triple A. All the A's. All the A's. Really? Yeah. The different franchises were like, hey, we want you to be part of our squad. Now, many of these minor league franchises, these minor league clubs, found out on Twitter, it seems like, or found out that they were no longer going to be affiliated with major league teams on Twitter on the flip side of that coin. The reason that I wanted to put this on the spinner is because I just disagree with the sentiment. Like, and, and I'm not going to try to turn this into like a sports radio hot take, like they don't have class or anything because we know that baseball franchises don't have class. They're here to make money. Yeah, we're not as, that's not the argument. <laughs> as evidenced by the entire history of Major League Baseball, it doesn't have class. I just I disagree with the sentiment that baseball should be structured from on high like this, and I think that it is indicative of the whole problem with how the whole problem with the direction that the sport of baseball is heading in our country in that the Major League clubs set the tone and are now buying into this whole Rob Manfred one baseball concept where it's like, we want to bring everything under our umbrella and therefore concentrate the power at a higher stage, at a higher, at a higher level of the baseball ecosystem. And all of the other minor league clubs just kind of have to like cower and beg when it comes to hoping that they get affiliated ball, hoping that they get the juice of revenue that comes with affiliated ball and the prospects that go along with it. And I, it's not like I even have like a coherent solution or or whatever to this. Like, I don't understand. I, I don't think that I personally could fix minor league baseball without clubs agreeing to like pay way more, which they seem like they're not gonna. But, or and without the, the minor leagues getting unionized, the players themselves. But I just think that it's so shitty that they're just like, yeah, we're gonna extend this invite to you. Like from on high, we deign to your level to extend our offer for you to be affiliated and for you to develop our players for us. Like they're doing a thing for you. You're not extending an invite. I mean, I guess you are to remain with the organization 
it is technically an invite, but it's like the way that like employers are like, we're doing you a favor by giving you a job. It's like, I'm also kind of doing you a favor right, by exactly. training your players for you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the, the idea of extending an invite is like you said, I guess technically true because the teams have really nowhere else to go, right? It's like you're, they're backed into a corner where Major League Baseball has this kind of iron-clad grip on them that basically says, look, you, your uh, affiliation with us is basically up to us, right? As we have seen, Major League Baseball has the ability and the desire to kind of realign this at, at any point that they see fit. And the shamelessness. Uh, right, and are, are very shameless about it. So... It's not even, not that I think anything in baseball is a free market or anything like that, but you know, it's really this idea that like, yeah, you can't, you can't go anywhere else. So fuck you. Right. As a, when baseball teams extend the invite to players to attend spring training, you know, this is, they maybe have some leverage there, the players, but it is a similar scenario where it's kind of like, look, you're going to come. Yes, you're maybe providing this service to us, but we're the ones who are presenting you with this, this wonderful opportunity to come and play baseball with us. And yeah, same, same sits where it's like, no, but we're the ones doing the labor yeah. for, for you. We're the ones who will be hitting the baseball. We're the ones who will be fielding a baseball team. So actually, we're inviting you to what? To to get the money. It's gatekeeping the idea of baseball. Like it's one, it's gatekeeping the labor, which is what you're talking about, where minor league franchises, the good people that work at minor league clubs, the players themselves are providing a service for major league teams in that they're developing players and creating surplus value in the future for them. But two, maybe even more illogically gatekeeping the concept of baseball which is like just a game you know i know this seems like i know we seem like a broken record but like it doesn't have to be anyone's concept to gatekeep you know what i mean like it didn't have to end up this way and there is a system that is more inclusive and sustainable for baseball but the owners have just decided that scorched earth is all they want to try because that's what they know best Hell yeah. I'm excited to watch baseball next year. I mean, this is, if this doesn't get your, your blood pumping, I don't know what does. How can you not be romantic about baseball? The answer <laughs> is you just don't get any more baseball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Should we spin the wheel? Let's do it. Okay, next up, Alex. The state of the NL Central. I'm so glad... That we transition right into this one because it's a We're perfect really, transition. really getting the, the soapboxes out of the way up yeah, front. Exactly. We could just throw the soapbox out of the window after this. Um, here's a tweet from Buster Olney, national baseball reporter, national baseball reporter for ESPN. NL Central. Heard of them. Heard of them. Heard of them? ESPN, if you're listening. Yeah, we'll join your podcast network. Uh NL Central. Reds cutting payroll. Cubs cutting payroll. Cardinals, managing payroll. Brewers, managing payroll. Pirates, rebuilding. Now the Pirates have been rebuilding for quite a while. Maybe our whole lives. But (laughs) it just, 
it's it's a perfect transition from what we're talking about with minor with the minor leagues and how teams are just operating like optimized businesses. But if at the end of the day the point is to win and compete, why are all five teams from one division looking around the division and saying we're not actually trying to compete? At this point, it's just a race for the bottom. It's a race to see who can pay the least while still winning enough games to still have fans show up or buy cable subscriptions. Which in theory should be the perfect environment for a team that is maybe on the cusp of being competitive, right? A team like the Brewers, a team like the Reds, a team like the Cubs. All teams who have like a relative wealth of talent on them and could look around the central and say, wow, all we need to do is make a couple additions and we probably have this thing locked up. Yeah. Right. Like, like the brewers have been in the playoff race the last couple of years, the Cubs obviously in a quote unquote transitional period, but still have a, their young core, like that core still exists. The Reds, again, making a surprise push over the last couple of years. So you would think that a, a young enterprising GM might say, hey, why don't we go sign George Springer and try I mean, not that I want to take him away from the Mets, but, you know, hey, what if we actually try? We don't even have to try that hard. <laughs> and I suppose that, like, you know, that's the the scenario that we're in is like teams keep trying to outdo each other in being non-competitive, you know, yeah. because rather than incentivizing competitiveness, it tells other teams be like, Oh, well we, ha-. it tells other teams that they don't have to try as hard. Right. If, if the, if the brewers are like, Hey, we're going to cut payroll or we're going to tread water. Then that gives the Cubs cover to say, oh, well, we're not going to make any huge splashes because the Brewers aren't trying to be as competitive or the Reds aren't trying to, or the Pirates. So I think Major League Baseball teams learn all the wrong lessons from this sort of environment. And there's no incentive in in the free agent landscape, in the economic landscape of baseball to say, hey, if you just spend a few million dollars, you will be a, a lock for the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is that you won't really be a lock. Like, you won't truly make it 100%. And in the event that you don't, then your owner fires you. Like, straight up, they fire you. And your fans think that you're dumb. But what you described, Alex, you know what that sounds like? Sounds like the the C word. The the collusion (laughs) word. Sounds like these teams know what the other teams are doing. And they know not to compete so that the other teams don't have to compete. And by compete, I mean spend. Well, and especially if we have this expanded playoff format again, this just gives teams the thumbs up. Be like, yeah, you guys don't have to try that hard. Remember the Marlins? Remember the Marlins last year? Remember those? Remember those guys? Yeah, they were cute. Yeah, they were cute. And they made the playoffs. So just follow in their footsteps. It's kind of reminiscent to me of the of the AL Central of the last five or six years where there really was just like Cleveland was the best team clearly and they knew it and they never spent to get good enough to consistently be better than every other team in the AL and make the World Series. They made the World Series one time in 2016. Their window peaked. 
and they got there and they blew it in game seven and the Cubs won. But in the regular season, they were more than happy to just continue to spend way less than they should and win the division by five games or win the division by three games or if they had a poor year, win the wild card. Like, because they knew they were going to make it and none of the other teams were going to push them. And now you have the Twins who are who have done a lot better in the last couple of years and who have actually spent and gone out and gotten free agents and, and good pitchers and trades. And, you know, they have a great lineup now and finally their youth movement is here and it looks legit no matter what you want to say about them not being able to win the playoffs. And then you have the White Sox who did the acceptable rebuild like by baseball standards. They did the economical rebuild. They traded away their stars that were about to become expensive or who had already become expensive to the Red Sox, the big market, the big money team. And they got back two huge prospects who are now huge contributors for the team. Realistically, they crushed their rebuild. Like, yeah. you know, we, we say like, yeah, in, in baseball terms, they, they did it the right way. But you also look at that and I'm like, damn, they, they really came out great yes. in this scenario. Sure. But the problem is when every team thinks that they should do that. Like, realistically, what would make for the best product would be a bunch of teams trying a bunch of different strategies. Like, hey, I'm a team that's on the cusp. Let me spend a little more. Hey, I'm a team that has that can spend a ton, like the Yankees. Let me spend a ton. Let me get the big stars. Because there are enough big stars in the game. There are enough good players in the game that the big market teams can still spend and get them and the smaller teams can still be competitive. The Royals just won the World Series in 2015. They're the worst team in baseball now. But they did win the World Series in 2015 from doing, quote-unquote, a longer-term rebuild and making smart moves around the edges with their core. And I, it kills me because they did it to the Mets, but that was a well-constructed team. And I think that Dayton Moore is a is a pretty pretty good GM. Like, I think he's doing it the right way and that is that is all fine like the Orioles rebuilding is fine but if every team only accepts that as the only way that you can rebuild then we're we're getting what we're getting in the NL Central now we're getting no teams trying for long extended periods of time until they luck into enough prospects that develop into enough guys to produce enough war to fill out enough of the roster to where they win 90 games. And it's like, there's never any acceleration. There's never any deceleration. And if there is, it causes turbulence and it causes conflict among the owners and the front offices and among the fans who are frequently carrying water for the owners. And so it's like, you, you, I feel like the NL Central has been like this forever. Like somebody just fucking do it. And I'm mostly mad at the Cubs for this reason because they are the biggest team. They are the richest team and their owners seem completely uninterested or unaware of that fact yeah and i think that it becomes a larger problem when teams just don't commit to that rebuild strategy right like i understand sometimes your franchise is in a great position sometimes they're not and you have to make tough decisions there but what's becoming more and more common is like the instead of bottoming out right you just kind of play around the edges and yeah, like you said, hope you can luck into 85, 87 games. You make a wild card spot and then you're in. And the playoffs are largely a crapshoot, right? You can win a series. So, and the more that baseball incentivizes that, 
by doing things like, I don't know, expanding the playoffs, you're just going to get more teams following this model. And there's which a whole is, which avalanche. Is, is exciting to watch. Yeah. But, and there's also a whole avalanche of consequences when teams follow that model and then don't keep it. Like they don't keep the core and they don't try. And that's where you come to what the Royals did. And, you know, they don't have a huge payroll or whatever. It, they, they're not in a gigantic market. They definitely could have re-signed some of those players and brought it back. But I think most Royals, most Royals fans would be fine with what they ended up doing. But this is like the, this is, this gets to the Cleveland problem where they do develop a young core and they just have no interest in keeping it. And so then that requires, then that necessitates a whole domino effect throughout the rest of the league where it's like, if Cleveland doesn't have to keep their stars, then we don't have to keep our stars. And we need to look for, we need to look for value back in a trade. And then you have all of these teams who are not trying to pay the players that they actually developed in the long rebuild. So then you have more teams needing to get into a long rebuild because they've all traded their stars away for the prospects. It's all this, this it's all this this vicious cycle. And I know that like this is probably well tread ground for us and for other places, but it's just such a stark example right now in the NL Central where none of those teams are inspiring or interesting at all to me. How can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> Spinning the wheel again. Okay, Alex. The Mets hired a new GM. They did. Or they're closing in on it. Tell me about Jared Porter. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you about Jared Porter uh, through a tweet. Okay. All right. And, and and if this doesn't get you hyped up for him, I don't know what will. This How is can from, you not uh, be romantic about Jared Porter tweets? <laughs> this is from, uh, from Pete Abraham, who covers the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. He, uh, he said, Jared Porter, new GM of the Mets was once the scout who dug up, wait for it, Daniel Nava Whoa. From, from the Indy League. Yes. He learned plenty from Theo Epstein, Ben Charrington, and Mike Hazen along the way. Smart, ambitious, works hard. Good choice by the Mets. Daniel Nava. That's my guy. guy. That's, that's our guy. Um, he was, I'm choosing to believe that he was part of the Red Sox scouting department and front office that um, identified, acquired, and developed one Mookie Betts. That's forget Daniel Nava. It's Mookie Betts for me. Yeah, he was with the organization until 2015, right? So he got out just in time. Was <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean he he's got a he's got a resume, right? Like was with the Red Sox from 04 to 2015. Jumped over to the Cubs 2016 to 2017. He actually it seems like has a has a record of joining baseball teams the year that they win the world series makes so you think. really makes really, you think really does make you think i was on a i was like 17 replies into like a mets 2021 predictions twitter thread the other day and it had started with a poll that was like would you have rather had the mets win in 2006 win the world series in 2006 or 2015 of course, 2006, the year that they blew it in NLCS game game seven against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals went on to sweep the World Series. So Mets identify that as like the one that got away, the 2000s. 
And then 2015, we just talked about, they blew it against the Royals. Most people said 2015. I would have said 2015 as well. And then somebody, an enterprising young Mets Twitter legend, I guess you could say, said that clearly because they lost in 2006 and they lost in 15, 6 plus 15 equals 21. So the Mets are winning the World Series next year. Yeah, that uh, the math that checks tr- out. That the, I mean, that we tracks. can ask Jared Porter, who knows more about you know math and analytics than us, but I think the math checks out there. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Billy Bean. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new sabermetrics is uh, is just adding together years, and it makes another year, and and then uh, baseball is a part of that. Yes, too. This is like when in, in 2016, after the Mets had lost in 2015, they were like, well, 2016 is going to be the year because it's the 30-year anniversary since the last time they won it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the rest of the... I mean, yes. The, um, the, the ball, as it bounces in the infield, knows that it's been 30 years since the Mets won the World Series and it takes the right hop for them. <laughs> you think Madison Bumgarner was like, I should let them win this wildcard game. Yes. Because it's 30 years since they won last. It's fan brain. It's fan brain. And it, I, it, I, I'm yeah. guilty of it just as much as the next guy or gal. Well, and maybe Jared Porter is guilty of it too, right? Because he's hopping aboard the train yes. at the right time. Jared Porter is 41, which if you subtract 20, because which, because 20 is how old I was in in 2016 when the Mets were supposed to win it, which was 30 years from 1986. So if you do that math and you subtract 20 from Jared Jared Porter's age, that gets you to 21, which of course is the next the next calendar year. So that means that they're going to win. Right, exactly. Also the uh 21 also happens to be the legal drinking age, um which is I I think a um something that many people will be taken advantage of once they get the vaccine the, when uh yeah, right. Once they get the vaccine. So Biden um, is going to deliver the Mets the World Series in 2021. Right, exactly. And then after when the Mets win, fans can celebrate uh, by drinking because once again, the legal drinking age is... Um, it's, it's 21. It's 21. Yes. So And Porter's 41. Wow. Where should we... Should we pitch this to ESPN? We just cracked that code. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> the, the last real thing that I want to say about Jared Porter is that it's such an indictment on baseball hiring these days that you have to like <laughs> that every hiring has to be related to to Theo Epstein in some way. It's like know. he reminds you of Theo Epstein or he worked with Theo Epstein or he has this qualification that Theo Epstein had. It's like I'm not saying that Jared Porter is not qualified. I I'm not saying that he wasn't the best candidate or the right fit. I would have liked to see A's assistant GM Billy Owens get the shot because obviously he's been with the A's for a really long time. He's as qualified. He would have been one of just a few black man- or black general managers in baseball to get this opportunity. And obviously we have a huge problem with that in our sport. But if Jared Porter is the guy, okay. But it's just like you're highlighting all of the reasons that it's bad that there's a ton of white guys getting hired when you just relate it back to all of the other white guy hires in all of the articles afterwards. And it's not just the people writing the article's fault. It's the people at the Mets saying, this is why we hired this guy. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show how small baseball's world is, right? And that 
it's all it's all just people naming each other, naming their friends as references. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. being like, yeah, I worked with Theo Epstein who won the World Series, and I worked with uh, Ben Charrington, and I worked with Dave Dombrowski, and I worked with, and it's just like, all right, all right, it's guy. Like, I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> I've heard of that guy. <laughs> I'm spinning the wheel. I'm spinning the wheel again, Alex. Spin the wheel. Oh, we're in the wild card round now, Alex. <laughs> it's landed on Taylor Swift's new album. Hell Yes. Okay. Lay, I'm laying Actually, out for the takes. Let's do it. You and I haven't talked about this album yet, really, except you did FaceTime me at two in the morning on Friday to ask me one opinion about it. But other than that, we haven't talked about this. I I can't I can't claim responsibility for making that phone call. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. it was it was an associate of mine. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but yeah, it's out. You were a party to the FaceTime. It's actually um <laughs> I think that Taylor Swift has anointed the the Mets as the team to beat in 2021 because there's a song on this album named uh, Coney Island. Yes. And as you know, the Brooklyn Cyclones, the Mets minor league team, play in Coney Island. Yes. Therefore... Taylor Swift, Brooklyn Cyclones fan, confirmed. Right. Well, and we know that Taylor Swift has influence over um, the, the goings-on in baseball and the World Series champions. New Taylor Swift album slaps. What do you feel? How do you feel about it? Yeah. How does it compare to folklore? How does it compare to all of her other albums? Get those takes out right now. I know they've been brewing. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. I need more time with it. Uh, I'm definitely, I actually am an album person still. I, like the, Nobody really cares about my opinions on album versus singles or <laughs> albums versus playlists or whatever, but I like to listen to music in album form. And I don't know if that's just because my brain works 45 minutes at a time now that I like produce podcasts and that's like the ideal length for a show or whatever. But I like to listen to albums straight through. So I've only gotten a chance to listen to it like two and a half times and a couple songs a a few more times than that. But I just want to thank Taylor Swift for releasing an album while we had nothing else to talk about or think about in the baseball world. You know, she recognizes the baseball calendar is about as weak as it's ever gonna be. And so she's like, you know what? I just made a new album for you guys. You guys. You and Alex specifically. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, We got um, we have a line to to Taylor Swift. So we make sure that she um, she lines up her her album drops with particularly dead moments in the uh, in baseball. I mean, Folklore came out in July. Right, I mean, which is immediately prior to uh, to the pan to to the baseball season getting back on its feet. So she yeah. knew that we were itching for something. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about the theory that there's a third album coming? You got any takes about that? You want to go I, deep down the rabbit hole here? I honestly don't have takes about it. I, I vaguely, I, <laughs> I vaguely have heard about it, but I'm kind of like, okay, sure, why not? I what I what I do love people about breaking this, that down on TikTok. Like, God bless them, but like. They sound like they're they're like people in the seventies talking about the Zapruder film. Like it's it's insane. Yeah, or or trying to decipher whether or not Paul McCartney is really dead, or if there's <laughs> a Avril Lavigne died in two thousand two. <laughs> yeah, right. E- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what I like about this is I think it's going to accelerate her journey through different genres. You know, like twenty twenty is her indie rock year. Yeah. This this is gonna you know th- it's like the um the like rap mixtape model where you just kind of like drop 
two or three whenever you're ready. And then you push through and that's a creative era for you. I think she has, you know, historically been very consistent about putting out an album roughly every other year and they're very defined eras. And obviously this, this, uh, this summer, this year has been an era unto itself for Taylor Swift. Mm. Um, but you know, maybe next year we get like a dance pop Taylor Swift album. Collab like, with maybe, Robin. Right. A collab with Robin. Absolutely. A collab with Dua Lipa. Yeah. Like, let's get it. A collab with Charlie XCX. <laughs> She's already on Heim. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite song from the album? And then we'll move on. I love Nobody No Crime. You know, it's like Goodbye Earl Part 2. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely fucking love to see that. Give me more songs about, give me more songs from Taylor Swift about like murder, straight up murder. Just killing people. My yeah. favorite is uh, Cowboy Like Me. I, I can't totally articulate why, other than the fact that it feels like the most soulful. If you have a favorite song from the Taylor Swift album, DM us or tweet at us. Absolutely. If you have thoughts about, the third Taylor Swift record and, uh, and any insight into that DM us for that too. I was a little disappointed last week when nobody DM'd asking to see my full Taylor Swift rankings, the, uh, the Google sheet where we yeah, ranked yeah. them based on categories. It's like a whole scientific formula. That is very unfortunate because that is what people come to us for. And yeah, so exactly. we would have expected that more people would be on board right. with that. Yeah. Last thing, cowboy like me, Cowboy Joe West. There's a collab there. We could make that happen. A Taylor Swift Joe West crossover spoken word album. Who says I think no? that that would be the thing that officially gets us canceled if we put that together. Or <laughs> officially? Have we been unofficially canceled since we talked last? <laughs> I'm spinning the wheel again before we get too far down that rabbit hole. Next up. MLB, Major League Baseball, is suing their insurance providers for not covering losses from this offseason. Alex, take it away. Yeah, um, Major League Baseball, like like minor league baseball and also just thousands of other companies, businesses this year, uh, suing insurance providers because they said, hey, we lost money this year. Um, Your job is to cover the loss of something. So... Hey, AIG, you should give us money for the losses this year. Much like me, Major League Baseball doesn't understand how insurance works or is fair. <laughs> I, okay, you know, you joke. I know you want to get your wisecracks off, but I want to read you this ironclad logic about why these insurance providers actually should cover the losses. Okay, right? wait, hold you on. You ready for hold this? On, wait. Let me puff up my brain a little bit so it's bigger so I can really get on the same level as Major League Baseball's lawyers. Mm -hmm. Put on your your Anthony Fauci cap and strap in, buddy. The presence of the coronavirus and COVID-19 included but not limiting to coronavirus droplets or nuclei on solid surfaces. Including but not limited to. And in the air at insured property has caused and will continue to cause direct physical damage to physical property and ambient air at the premises. <laughs> Am- ambient air. That's, That's my the name, name of the third Taylor Swift album. <laughs> <laughs> Coronavirus, a physical substance, has attached and adhered to plaintiff's property and by doing so altered that prop- pr- uh, property. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Coronavirus. 
known known for altering physical spaces. I like how it, their supposition is that coronavirus is like burning a hole through the walls of the dugouts. That is right. what that's in in plain English, Alex. Coronavirus set the dugout on fire. It set the dugout on fire. It it uh it caused the erosion of seats. It's, uh, it's like some uh, acid else? in a lab or something like that. You breathe it out and everything just melts away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the quality of the dirt on the field was just completely different. And I know that that's their argument, but it, it, it sort of um, it sort of pushes dangerously close to the fact that like the players are the property, the way that it's phrased, because like the, the only thing that was really in danger was the players and the employees yeah. themselves. So like by them suing the insurance providers, they don't need to replace the benches because of coronavirus. No team knocked down the clubhouse after 2020 because of the pandemic. Yeah. So what all they're really saying is that it costs them more money because the players got sick or because the fans couldn't be there. It altered the the space, but what it really did was like put real people in danger and that's not property. So you can't sue your property insurance for that. I mean, that's the thing about this suit is that, I mean, obviously this has no chance of getting anywhere. Like insurance companies aren't just going to roll over and say, yeah, sure. Why Better not? chance this winning I, or Trump? What do you think? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> um, this would, I think, largely just open Major League Baseball up to a ton of scrutiny. Like, oh, if you, if there was a physical substance that was altering physical spaces in your stadiums, why did you let players go and play there? Yeah, Rob, it sure is if, the question. Like, this is just the kind of thing that, if it ended up getting litigated, I think would open Major League up to Major League Baseball up to a lot more scrutiny than they really would like. And so, I'm sure yeah. that they will get a backroom deal going with these with their insurance providers who say, "Look." I got you an Outback Steakhouse gift card. That should tide you over until you make billions of dollars next year. Like, let's just call it a day, you know? Yeah. But, okay, so from the insurance provider's perspective, which is where I usually like to find myself, (laughs) I'm always in the headspace of big insurance (laughs) or big pharma. I've always been a a gigantic fan of Pfizer and large pharmaceutical companies in this country. I love the way that they really have a warm, welcoming, embrace, comforting embrace of the economy of Americans. Okay, are you going to say that Pfizer literally isn't about to save the country? All right, bro. Yeah, they've never done anything. Are you (laughs) anti-vax? No, I'm not. No, I'm not 30% of MLB. Uh, From the insurance company's perspective, why would you settle, though? Like MLB is basically just oh, like yeah. throwing out a bluff and telling you it's a bluff. Yes. No, they're not going to actually. I'm going all in. in. I have twos. Yeah. No, I am certain that MLB will just withdraw the suit or some, you know, lower court judge will be like, hey, uh, this is bullshit. Yeah. I think there was like a minor league team, I think, sued an insurance provider and the suit got tossed because, again, what are the legs to get? This just opens up a massive can of worms. Yeah, this is throwing shit at the courthouse wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. I guess I respect the grift. I respect the grift is like the most poignant analysis of Major League Baseball that one can have. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, look, you can't like what they're doing, but you got to respect how shameless they are. Shameless. Yeah. Okay. I'm spinning the wheel again. Shamelessly moving on from this topic. Yeah, exactly. We got a couple more topics coming down the pipeline. Alex, you have prepared um, a rant or a game of sorts about the Major League Baseball fan shop. And that is where the wheel has landed. MLB fan shop. What do you have to share with us? Well, you know, in in preparation for this podcast, which is a sentence that I say very rarely, um, (laughs) I, I I was like, you know, maybe we could put together like a tipping pitches gift guide right mm-hmm. if you're a if you're a baseball fan what what would you buy for a significant other for a family member for a friend um that's a good that, question what would you buy for a significant other maybe in theory one that you host a, a, a podcast with a baseball podcast you wanted to get them a gift are you what my is, significant other want? is that what you're <laughs> suggesting i am significant and other from <laughs> and, you and another so i guess <laughs> technically speaking yeah what would I get for somebody named Alex Baisley who co-hosts a podcast with me? What do you want? I, what do you well, want for Christmas? <laughs> well, you know, I could I could ask you the same, but um, there might be uh, there might be some ideas that I that I bring up right now. Okay, great. Um, Let me write these it, down. This this largely as I went on this journey um, to see what uh, Major League Baseball teams had to offer, I um, largely came away with the takeaway that. Why would you buy almost anything from the Major League Baseball fan 100%. shop? Because you the are under the are age awful. of fifty, so you would, would and should not buy anything from MLB fan shop. Um, however, that doesn't mean that you don't have the option. Because boy, can you buy just about anything from the Major League Baseball fan shop? Um, obviously, you can buy COVID masks because yes. who isn't selling them these days? Yes. Um, but there's so much weirder, weirder uh, products here too, and uh, and so to any of the listeners, if you want to, you know, make this purchase for that special someone in your life, I highly encourage it. Um, first up um, is this uh, is this crystal baseball. It is uh, exactly what it sounds like. Wait, can I guess it, the prices before you say them? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. So this is um real quick. Pretty much every team shop offers all of the same products and they yeah. just swap out the logos yeah. right so this one that i'm looking at um is is a baltimore oils crystal baseball which bobby i don't know if you can see i'm holding this up but oh. it looks nothing like the the baltimore orioles logo it's looking part, rough it's looking a little bit rough here so it's uh, adorned with a thousand authentic uh swarovski crystals holy shit. how much how much is this gonna go for bobby I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what things cost. Money is fake. I'll just guess a thousand Swarovski crystals. Those gotta be like <laughs> I don't know. Um, how about twenty five hundred dollars is my guess. Wow, actually, no. This is uh this is if that's where your mind's at, this is quite a bargain. It's a thousand dollars. Oh, okay, okay. Well, the a thousand Swarovski crystals threw me off because I was like, those gotta be at least like two bucks a pop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, cl- <laughs> thousand for a thousand. That's, that's a actually, deal. That's like bulk pricing. Exact. This is, that's my thinking. I'm like, really? One Swarovski crystal is $1? Seriously? And they put it in a, conveniently in the shape of a baseball for you. You're a baseball fan. This is actually great. This is not selling your segment very well so far. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a great idea. We could have a catch um, with that. Very risky catch. It's for the adrenaline, my friend. Um, moving on. 
this is a this is going to be a um, it's a Dream Seat Team Stealth Recliner. Um, this is uh, yeah, Stealth Recliner. Are we hiding the fact that the chair reclines? Right. You know, I I wish I had the answer for you. Um, <laughs> okay. it, maybe it's maybe it's the kind of thing where like. It's really quiet when you recline. So yeah. if someone is sitting in the other room, yeah, and you don't want don't them to know you, that you want to get comfortable. You're, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, this combines sleek innovation and bold team graphics, which means that there's just a logo. How bold on the, on the seat back? As bold as, as like someone, you know, as bold as the thoughts of one Trevor Bauer, or like not not very bold. There's like no, zero that's team representation. That's kind of nice. Literally, I kind of like that. That's it is kind of nice. That's man cave chic right there. So how wouldn't much put it in spend? my living room, but <laughs> how much would you spend on this? How much would I spend, or how much well, do I okay, think that okay. it's listed for? How much for? do you think that they're? I'd that spend like one hundred fifty dollars on that max, <laughs> but I think that it's listed for. Man, leather. It's leather. It's real leather. Um, I, I, I got a factor. Word in. Leather actually doesn't exist anywhere here, so I wouldn't count on it. Wow. Uh, five hundred. Hmm. Yeah, you uh, you went a little low on that one. That's mm. gonna cost you you seven hundred bucks, almost as much as the crystal baseball. Wow, which has much less utility, if we're <laughs> being honest. Seven hundred dollars, dude. Come on, man. I could get a lot with seven hundred dollars. For example, seven hundred <laughs> yeah. Swarovski crystals. <laughs> oh my god. Um, there are so many other items in here that are just like fucking like why who's who's purchasing these things? Um, the last thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna put on our little uh, the last thing I'm gonna put on the tipping pitches gift guide. Really quickly, should, I want to say like this is the don't gift guide. It's more of like a don't buy this guide. I mean, I was being serious about wanting the Swarovski crystals crystals baseball. But, Swarovski okay. crystal baseball is a very hard phrase to say. And I commend you for trying, say. but we've both started over it multiple times. So what you're saying is that via USPS, I'm about to receive a Mets logo Swarovski crystal ball. Yes. Now the catch is that you can't actually decipher that it's the Mets logo because crystals aren't really the best way to hold communicate detail. <laughs> like graphic imaging, but it's the thought that counts. I like to think of it as like, Instead of making the crystals a different color, you just like make it a ball and then you like put a sticker on it. Yes, you just put a sticker on your thousand Swarovski crystals. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Swarovskis are cheap these days, though. The pandemic has made the price of raw materials so much lower. <laughs> as, as, I don't know. This is an Uncut Gems podcast. Maybe we should now. call Ross Stripling. <laughs> um, the last item. This is, a, this is one I actually want you to purchase for me, Bobby. These are um these are Oakland Athletic boat shoes. Uh look at look at the color combination. Feast on your this. eyes on that. Okay, I'm going to describe it for the listeners. I, we can put a link in the description. It's the the, the toe area is green. Kelly gr- like Kelly bowling, green. Kelly green shoes. To be specific, the the side heel and tongue area is yellow. Yeah. And Ooh, got a little. Oh, they got the A's logo on the heel <laughs> in Kelly green. And inside the sole, inside is checker, checkerboard, 
Well, no, it's the you. Sorry, you can't see this oh, very well, oh, but it oh. is the A's logo. Alex yeah. is showing me his phone on the screen on Zoom, <laughs> so it's the A's logo in in um, checkered pattern. Those are fantastic. I feel like I have they, a good grip on the price of these. I think you you probably do. Uh, these are. I will say these are on sale. Um, are they? Wait, hold on. Are they branded? Are they like Sperry's? They're Eastland. Eastland. Never heard of it. So, which I never heard of, but sounds like a shoe company. It doesn't not sound like a shoe company. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a crystal company. <laughs> that's I, I Googled the, the word Eastland and the first result um that came up was Eastland shoe. And the second result that came up was the Eastland disaster, which I guess was the capsizing of a passenger liner in nineteen fifty. I thought you were gonna say it was the designing of those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> My guess no. is my guess is so they're on sale. So I'll guess the original they're, price and the sale price. Original oh, price. Okay. All right. One nineteen ninety nine. Wow. Sale price. Gotta mark those bad boys down because nobody is buying them, especially during, you know, times are tough. Yeah. Seventy nine ninety nine. Big deal. Big deal. That's why I bought them for you for Christmas. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um that's that's a that's a very generous assumption about what Major League Baseball might be able to charge for these. Actual Dude, price? They charge me $119 for a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. Well, then maybe Major League Baseball is just a little more realistic about what its fans will buy. This is uh the the uh the the retail price for these are 69.99. Oh, nice. Sale price 39 or sorry sale price 33.99 Whoa. you can get these for 34 bucks let's go that's like 50 that's more than 50 percent off yes literally dang i might just buy these as a joke and say that you have to wear them it's a bit <laughs> i'd rather you buy the crystal baseball as a joke if i'm being honest you'd rather i, I spend a thousand american dollars on a crystal baseball as a joke as a bit yes how about i spend a thousand dollars on like investing it back into this fucking podcast not <laughs> getting a yeah. swarovski crystal ball that's i i think that it's one and the same you know you're investing in this as a bit for the podcast right and that that'll immediately get us a thousand extra listeners Every Swarovski crystal is a new listener. <laughs> uh, all this to say, and and there is a much larger conversation to be had here that I know that you and I would like to have at some point that we won't have right now because we've done no research beyond looking up Swarovski crystal baseballs, is that Major League Baseball needs fucking help designing their merchandise. Good God, it's so bad. 80% of this is just like, sorry, I don't want to be walking around in... Kelly green and gold boat shoes, Kelly green and gold, like Herschel supply backpack. Yeah. I just not, not interested major league baseball. Is there even a one month period of your life where you would have worn those like ever the, 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 boat, boat, shoes? Shoes, the boat shoes? Did you ever have a pair of boat shoes? Is what I'm asking you. <laughs> well, I had a pair of boat shoes because we had to get dressed up every month for liturgy at my Catholic high school. Wow. So now like, we're exploring and I was, the deep realms of your you're, brain. You're, you're, this is like, yeah, we're getting into the shit I talked to my therapist about. Um, <laughs> having to dress up every month. It's the boat shoes and then it's your parents' divorce. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that to say, 
Yeah, there probably was a period of my life. Yeah, there is. I know there is. I know it. I know it because I know that when I was 15, I would have worn Mets boat shoes like that to a Mets game. And I would have been like, yeah, "Yeah, bro, go Mets. (laughs) And I would have worn them to school just to piss off all my Phillies fan friends. Yeah. 15-year-old boy brain is just absolute poison. It's not ideal. No. All right. Um, do you want to do you want to spin the wheel one last time for posterity's sake? Yes. I think we only have one last one last topic here. No, we have two. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't. Oh, oh, yes. Yep. 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 There are two topics left, Alex, and the wheel has spoken. It would like us to talk about Dave Dombrowski being hired as the Philadelphia Phillies general manager. Now, I want to. I want to. I want to take a moment here. And I want to say, fuck the Phillies. <laughs> okay. Number Glad one. Glad you got that off your chest. Thank you. Number two. I think this is a good hire. I like. I don't know. I we've sort of backed ourselves into a corner here where we we shit on the Red Sox for firing Dave Dombrowski when they did just one year after winning the World Series with him. After he made a lot of moves that were very important for that World Series victory. So we've tipped our, our hand here. We've tipped our pitches here a little bit and how we feel about Dave Dombrowski as a concept just because that's how we talk about everything here as a concept, never in practice. Um, I do think that it is a little bit incoherent with the rest of the Phillies offseason. We started this podcast by making a joke about Zach Wheeler and about how John Middleton said that the Phillies have lost literally $2 billion, which is mathematically impossible unless he like invested it in I don't know what's a company that's gonna invested it in Toys R Us two years ago, but <laughs> Blockbuster Video, Blockbuster Video, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a good hire because Dave Dombrowski is a good GM. He's had success and he's made good teams wherever he's gone. And he's he won with the Red Sox and he got close with the Tigers. The thing about Dave Dombrowski is that he spends, whether that be he spends money or he spends prospect capital which is a vile phrase that I just let out of my mouth. (laughs) But he acquires major league ready, good players, all-stars, Chris Sale, you know, David Price. And that scares a lot of owners away. And you would think that it would scare John Middleton away after he spent this entire season, like manipulating the media to make it seem like they are, you know, the stock market in 1929. It's just a weird, it's a weird move. And I won't say it's a bad move because I I think it's always good when you bring in GMs who are like, hey, I understand like this whole penny pinching bullshit movement that's come along, but I just don't, I don't fuck with it. You know? Yeah. If I'm a Phillies fan, I dig it. Like, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Phillies fans, but the dude has a good resume. And like you said, it, it bizarrely so this move runs counter to a lot of the language that, like you said, the Phillies um ownership has been spouting over the last few months but like gms who spend money are good right like (laughs) i this runs like directly counter to the conversation we had about the nl central yeah earlier in this podcast where it's like he tries here's a gm who is like oh you want to win the world series because that's the goal of uh fielding a baseball team cool I'm going to do whatever it takes. And this the the timing of this is particularly funny because 
this very same week, right, there were rumors about, is Zach Wheeler going to be traded? Even Bryce Harper was floated, which is stupid because the Phillies are not trading Bryce Harper. Like, (laughs) he's on the third year of, what, like a 13-year contract? Like, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, But, like... Dave Dombrowski, I am certain of it, did not come to the Phillies just to pinch pennies, right? That's no, not his MO. he wouldn't have come out of retirement or whatever, quasi-retirement right. that he was in. Yeah. So I guess it gets me kind of excited for what the Phillies' future might look like. The one, so, so there's a couple question marks. Number one, are they actually going to let him do this and see it through? Because even Dombrowski, who has traded more All-Stars than I can even name in MLB history, even Dombrowski needs a couple of years to turn things in Philadelphia around or to, you know, maybe he resigns Real Muto. Maybe he makes one big trade for a hitter or a, an ace. Fine. They're not going to win the World Series next year based on that. It, it, you know, he needs a couple of years. He even needed a couple of years to turn all of the prospects that Ben Sherrington acquired into major league level World Series talent, which he ended up doing. So, that's a question mark. Is John Middleton going to be patient enough? <laughs> My guess would be no, since like this whole offseason, <laughs> he's just been like, well, well the last couple of years, he's just been like, we got to win now, we got to win now, and we got to spend, and we got to win now, and I want to win now. And uh, that's why I'm going to go give Bryce Harper $330 million. That's why I'm going to trade Sixto Sanchez, who's going to be an ace for the next decade, for two years of JT Realmuto, and then maybe not re-sign him. Like, he seems very inconsistent, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, what you said with the NL Central. It's like, these guys just change their minds a lot and like they don't actually see the plan through. And so it gives spending a bad rap because then you're stuck like where you still have all the money on the hook, but you didn't actually continue to see out the plan because you didn't want to spend any more money. You balked at the idea. And as we know, no balking in baseball. Bad. The other thing is I do think that we need to be a little reflective on how we talked about Dave Dombrowski And we need to maybe say we were wrong. When the Red Sox fired Dave Dombrowski, we were like, feels like the end of an era. Feels like there's never going to be a hire like Dave Dombrowski again. Feels like this was his last opportunity in baseball. And everyone from this point on is going to be in the mold of Theo Epstein, is going to be in the mold of Eric Neander, is going to be in the mold of Jeff Lunau. And that just wasn't the case. Like a big market team who is trying to win now and who is in the NL East, a competitive division already, hired Dave Dombrowski to continue to try to win. That's a good thing for baseball. We like we don't usually get to say that so full-throatedly, but I think it's a good thing for baseball. It might not be a good thing for the Mets in the short term. It might be a good thing for the Mets in the long term when Dave Dombrowski trades every prospect that the Phillies have. Do you see that pro owner brain come out just there? Yeah, I love let's that. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Steve Cohen. I'm getting my Steve Cohen jersey on. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, it's good. It's good. Good job, Phillies. Congratulations yeah. to the Phillies fans in my life. It, None it of really whom is. To this podcast. <laughs> it really is emblematic, like you said, of just the shortest tension span of owners, you know, who are just kind of like, yeah, I want to win now. Uh, we should probably start saving money. <laughs> uh, let me just go ahead and hire a really accomplished GM for what I have to assume was not cheap. I don't know the details of his contract, yeah. but like Dave Dombrowski with the resume that he is bringing, I am sure is not signing the same contract that a guy who's never been in a GM position for is signing, right? Like, I mean, even a guy like Jared Porter, I am sure there is a difference in how much money they are going to be paid. Dave Dombrowski's so, like, agent, come on tipping pitches. <laughs> literally. <laughs> so, I don't know. 
Owners, they're just like us. Owners, when they acquire a team and they're like midway through the rebuild, like the Phillies were when John Middleton was like, time to spend, time to win. They just, they bite off more than they can chew and they should be able to chew way more because they're billionaires. But, you know, for, they act like they're starving all of the time for the amount of money that they actually really have. But they bite off more than they can chew in the sense that they're like, yeah, whatever. I'll take this quote unquote loss for the next five years while we try to spend on players and rebuild and make it look like the franchise is losing money because my franchise will still be appreciating in value, especially if I win a World Series in a big market. Like that'll be a big boost to the franchise value. We've seen that the Mets franchise has gone up so much, even though they've been completely futile for the last 30 years. And like two and a half years into that, their accountant tells them that they had to file a loss and it offends some type of deeply, deeply rooted capitalistic interest that they have in their core that has led them to this point in their lives. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. You guys failed me. You didn't win within the first three years. You failed me. We're going in the opposite direction. They're so reactive, you know, for people who have so much money, this behemoth of money piled around them. They're awfully reactive people. I thought that I thought that people with that much money were supposed to play the long game. That's what Ross Stripling told me on his podcast. We need a, a Ross Stripling like um, reference counter, you know, yeah. like, can you I know if that we ever get since, a TV show, it'll be right up here next to my face. Yeah, exactly. Bobby, you're the producer. You can put in little little dings once we whenever we mention him. I'll just have I'll have I'll I'll find somewhere in his podcast where he said stocks. And every time I say Ross Stripling, it'll just be Ross Stripling's voice going stocks, <laughs> stocks, stocks, stocks. All right. Do you have any other thoughts on Dave Dombrowski? We no. have one last segment. Dave Dombrowski, choke it away. That's my thoughts. <laughs> sure. Fuck the Phillies. Okay. Final topic. I'm glad that this one landed on the final topic. It's a very nice way to end the podcast, Alex. It yeah. is a bad take from the New York Post. It's been a little while since we got to do a bad take dramatic reading. I think we should tag team this one. We should pass off paragraphs. What do you think about that? This is from our friend Dan Martin of the New York Post. The headline goes, Giancarlo Stanton's contract is crippling Yankees more than ever. Three years ago Friday, the Yankees pulled off the trade to get Giancarlo Stanton from the Marlins. He still owed $218 million over the remaining seven years of his contract, and the Yankees are on the hook for $188 million, with Miami paying the remaining $30 million over the course of the final three seasons of the deal. All right, we got a lot of big numbers so far. Yes, we do. Those numbers, they mean something to me. It's your turn now. Is this, Popcorn is this, now. Oh, it's my turn. I said, right, we're popcorning. While Stanton, while Stanton this showed is, how this is where it gets good. <laughs> while Stanton showed how dangerous he can be during the postseason, just a little thing where he had a home run in every game. The contract hangs over the team, especially in the wake of the economic fallout from the COVID pandemic. And as the Yankees okay. wait to learn whether DJ LeMahieu returns as a free agent, Alex, and how that will affect the rest of their offseason, general manager Brian Cashman acknowledged that "quote unquote" huge commitments limit what they're able to do on the market. Can we just stop to acknowledge that the Yankees offseason is hinging on what DJ LeMahieu decides to do? No shade to DJ LeMahieu. He's very no shade like, at he, all. He, it's actually important for them to resign him, but I do find it satisfying how Yankees fans are like, 
weak in the knees over the the whims of DJ LeMahieu, a strong contact, versatile infielder who, all in all, with the rest of the Yankees lineup, should not be this crucial to this team. Right. I just, I, I don't know. If you told me that like six years ago, that DJ LeMahieu, who hits 300 with five home runs and a dozen stolen bases on the Rockies, was going to be pivotal to the Yankees offseason, I... I don't know, probably would have asked you to come on tipping pitches to defend that take. Um, Five years ago. (laughs) Certainly there's a lot more discussions and things to navigate, Cashman said on Yes Network Thursday in regards to how the pandemic impacted the team's ability to spend. There's a lot more discussions and things to navigate. That's always so true. Yeah, Tipping pitches, a lot of discussions and things to navigate. Put it on a t-shirt. Since we've made a huge commitment to others already, it affects your flexibility and viability as you move forward. Every step taken needs to be carefully worked through. That is like the most non-sentence I have ever... We've made a lot of commitments in other positions, and because there are a lot of things that we have to navigate this offseason, we're going to have to make a lot of decisions about how to move forward at this moment in time. Says Cashman. Uh Says Cashman. That includes holding off until LeMahieu makes the decision before making other significant moves. In addition to the $29 million they're paying Stanton in 2021, last offseason's major acquisition, Dick Garrett Cole. You'll remember they acquired him last offseason. This is already apparently a contract hanging over their head, despite the fact that he's the best pitcher in baseball. Is set to make $36 million. After Cole and Stanton, Araldis Chapman is the next highest paid Yankee at $15 million for the next year. Well, if that was disqualifying, maybe they shouldn't have brought back the domestic abuser that they traded away to get prospects and then re-signed a year later. Uh, really quickly, this, this shit from Cashman has always kind of bothered me a little bit. Like, I know that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and I know that he's, if not the best, then one of the best GMs in baseball. But acting like big contracts preclude the Yankees from being able to spend more on big contracts is just unnecessary. And in my opinion, assuming a sort of lack of intelligence from the consuming public that the Yankees fans actually do have. Like, they know you can spend more. They know you can because you have in the past. And the Yankees franchise is still obviously profitable and still obviously worth billions and billions of dollars. Like, it's the type of shit where, like, the Dodgers don't really act like this maybe we can go back and find quotes from andrew friedman saying similar things but when the dodgers had money sunk into like matt kemp or like adrian gonzalez or even when they take on the david price contract to get mookie bets in a trade they're not like this prevents us from going to get new players you know like they still do give the extension to mookie bets they still do what they need to to acquire the expensive players to actually win the world series which if you'll remember, it's something the Yankees have not done in the last decade. Yeah, it provides a lo- this provides a lot of cover uh, for just not spending money, which is which is like if it's a hole, it's a hole you've dug yourself. So like this idea that like, well, yeah, we're working within these constraints that have been placed upon us, and it's like first of all, take some credit if you want to like bitch about not having enough money to spend, like at least acknowledge that you're the one who have gotten the team to this moment. Yeah, you weren't saying, (laughs) like, this is the price you pay for having good players. Like, uh, plenty of teams would love to have good players. Like, they'd love to have Giancarlo Stanton's $29 million contract. Now, uh, say what you want about Stanton's health. 
right? But like, if he is healthy and he is doing what he d- did in the playoffs last year, yeah, you weren't like worried about the contract when you assembled a, a lineup of Stanton, Judge, Glaber, like all of these, Gary Sanchez, who is a big question mark going into the next season, apparently. It, it seems so obvious to break it, boil it, boil it down to that point. And I, we'll get back to Dan Martin's opinion on all of this in just a second. But it seems so obvious to boil it down to that point. Like, it's not hamstringing to have good players for fair market value contracts, even if those contracts are expensive. Mike Trout's not the reason the Angels are bad. It's everything else. So figure it out. What is really telling to me about this article is that we're approximately halfway through, and we've reached the last mention of Giancarlo Stanton. That's that's it. There's no more discussion about him. Yeah. So like we're very clearly scraping the bottom of the barrel here and trying to come up with reasons for why teams can't spend. And this is clearly just a piece about like, are they going to sign DJ LeMayhew? Are they going to sign other players? They have a lot of contracts, so they're going to have to make some decisions. But it's like a guy what, figures what, out that you can't pay every player on the team $30 million. Like, no shit. No shit. Yeah, guy figures out what payroll is. Yes. Yes. It's Giancarlo so hard. Is you don't have the luxury of having of- 40 good players on your team. You only have 38 now. Yes. Half of this article is just listing out what players are being paid and what contracts they're on. And then being like, so I wonder if they'll be able to sign other players. That's just how baseball works. That's just how signing players works. Yeah. And what frustrates me is putting the onus on individual players and being like, well, Stanton's contract is weighing them down, right? Garrett Cole's contract is a part of that calculation. Rolvis Chapman's contract. It's like, yeah, sure, because they agreed to pay them. So now you work around that and you find another solution. Yes. But the idea that Stanton... That is the the, contract, literally the contract. It's not even a social contract. It's a written contract that you agree to when you sign a player. We will pay you come rain or come shine. Most of the time, it's shine since baseball makes billions of dollars every year on the backs of these players' incredible talents. So, like, sorry it rained this year. And that's, like, kind of the whole supposition of the argument in this piece is that, you know, you get later in the... You get later down in the article, and he's like, it was just a year ago that they signed Cole to the most expensive contract ever for a pitcher at nine years and $324 million. And then the Yankees, along with the rest of the league, was blindsided by the pandemic. It's like, yeah, okay, you were blindsided by the pandemic. Baseball's not ending. The Yankees are not going to go bankrupt. There's just such a lack of examination from like columnists and, you know, like more older, like conservative baseball fans about the fact that MLB is, as it's currently constructed, too big to fail. The Yankees are not going to go under because of the pandemic. Baseball is still happening next year. No one has been like, I don't, I don't know if we can afford the salaries. Like, I, I literally don't know if the money is going to clear. Like, what baseball franchise is saying that right now? None, because it's not happening. So also, take on more debt then. It's your own fault for not for, for spending all of the money on developing real estate around your park that you don't yeah. have more funds on hand in case of emergency. That is how you chose to build your business. All 30 MLB owners, I'm talking to you now. And so that is the price that you pay when something like this comes up and you have to take on more debt 
and work to get rid of that debt over the next decade as baseball continues to grow economically. Like that that yeah. is just the price of doing business. Literally, that is the price of doing business, not even the phrase. That's just the price of doing business. Yes, you can put a, a legitimate number on that. I And also, yes, baseball teams are too big to fail, in theory. But if we ever got to a situation where a baseball team was like, damn, we can't spend any more money. It's like, shit, that sucks. Sell the team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're out of money. Yes. Sell like, the team. Ah, welcome to the free market, buddy. Yeah. The the free market that you've loved to exploit your whole life. Right. Sorry, you failed. You failed. And I, I think that it's just like at this point, the owners specifically, and I, I'll absolve Cashman of this because it's clear that he's like getting pressure from the Steinbrenners to say all of this stuff. And like he has to operate within this model. Of course, Cashman wants to sign LeMayhew. Of course, he wants to sign LeMayhew. You think that yeah. Cashman is out here putting deals on the table for four years and would would care about putting a fifth year in the deal? No. No, absolutely not. But because Cashman could figure out a way to trade LeMayhew away. You know, like he could figure out a way to turn him into value in the future in the third or fourth year of that contract if he really needed to because he's an amazing GM. These owners have been so coddled by the fact that they're they've had like a monopoly exemption. Like they've been so coddled by the fact that baseball is its own little ecosystem and they can never fail and they've been guaranteed to make money for their entire streak of owning the team that like the first year that they don't, they're like, this is this is DEFCON 1 right here. Like what is going on, guys? This is the money that I use to put straight into my back pocket so that my other business ventures can be a little more aggressive and I can make even more money. This is like supposed to be my stable money, guys. Yeah, uh, I think it's time to throw uh, to throw owners and their teams to the Sharks. You know, can't, can't afford to field the team. Get out. Glass Spiegel, but for baseball owners. And it always leads to you. Okay, Alex. The random spinner wheel was fun. I enjoyed that. I'm glad we ended on the, the dramatic reading last. For, that's a little throwback for, for those of our listeners who have been around for a while. Yeah, I know. We haven't done that uh, much lately. And, and in part due to the fact that I think we haven't seen the, the volume of bad takes that we maybe have in past off-seasons. I'm sure people will get bored. I'm sure we're going to see some really great, great pieces out there in January. Um, you know, the second that like trades start happening or big signings start happening, people are going to be like, this is a bad signing because X or this is a bad trade because X. It's like, yeah, let's just give it a second. The Mets get <laughs> Francisco Lindor. Maybe don't be mad that they put Brandon Nimmo in the trade. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you've got um, if you've got Taylor Swift takes, if you've got MLB fan shop takes, any gifts that you'd like to point out to us that you think would be great um, for, a, for a loved one, send them our way. We'll, uh, we'll tweet it out. We'll shout it out. Bobby, uh, Bobby, you got anything, uh, anything for the listeners? No, nothing out of the ordinary. Just that we're approaching the end of the year. We're going to be doing our best of the year episode once we cross into the new year. Um, we have some fun stuff planned for the offseason. So if you're a listener of the show, new or old and you like the show you've probably heard this spiel before but every 
every listener counts and we're doing our best to help grow the show in the off season so if you think that someone would like it uh, it would mean the world to us if you would share it with them or rate it or review it on iTunes Apple Podcasts whatever that is called now um, and yeah we just hope that we can continue to do some fun stuff in the off season thanks everyone for listening and we will talk to you next week Everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!